0: Hey, greetings, welcome to Speak Life. This is my very first podcast, and I'm so excited. And I'm excited to have my guest, Scott Harding. Um, Scott Harding is a producer and a gentleman who I was linked for, Vanessa Richards. And I'll let him do a brief introduction of
1: Just turning this up a bit. Hello, hi, Mikel. How are you? I'm so good. Good. It's an honor to be your very first guest. I didn't realize that I was going to be your guinea pig. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maiden voyage.
1: That's right. Well, um, as you said, I'm a producer. I'm a musician. I'm a arranger, um, mix engineer. Wear a lot of hats in the studio, but basically, that's what I that's my domain for the most part i used to do a lot of live performance back before i just went 100% into into production mode and yes we we met through my very good friend and yours Vanessa Richards who i was in a band with back in vancouver and then we stayed in touch for <clears throat> the last 35 years from from her moving to london and and me moving to new york and back and forth and she's back in canada again so it's a it's always a beautiful connection
0: yeah yeah she's an awesome human being for
1: sure absolutely
0: um you know uh, one of the reasons why i wanted to do this podcast is because um you know in the last few years i uh i was diagnosed with fshd uh, which is a, a Muscle-wasting disease, genetic muscle-wasting disease. I've had it my whole life, but, you know, I wasn't aware of it. Um, it became age, uh, at, you know, at a certain age, like your genes or whatever turn on, and all of a sudden um, you're starting to lose uh, muscle mass and, uh, and and function. And so uh, as I got to the point where, um, where I was... Uh, where I had to sit down, where I'm in the wheelchair. Right. Um, Vanessa reached out and said, wow, do you know Scott Hardy? And I was like, I know the name, you know, because I, I know you produced a lot of people that uh, that are mutual friends.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of mutual friends. A lot of
0: mutual friends. And so she was like, reach out to him. I was like, just, just cold call the dude. She was like, nah, he's good people. Ethan. I'm surprised you already don't know each other. And, uh, and so I reached out to you, and you gave me so much light about um, about dealing with um, this transition that I'm going through. That um, she and she knew you would, and so part of what this podcast is about is about um, being what's considered disabled and still doing the damn thing. That's why I wanted you so badly to be the first
1: guest. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, my, 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 my brief story of my disability was in 2008. I was leaving my studio very late at night and called a car service to go and meet up with a DJ friend of mine who we were going to work on a project together. And before I got three blocks from my studio, we got T-boned by another car. And I was in the back seat uh, searching for the seatbelt, as a matter of fact, at the time that the impact happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a T5 complete paraplegic. So I've been in a wheelchair for the four, um, 14 and a half years well, 15 years, 15 years. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so... And and I was given some great advice early on when I was in physical therapy. One of my therapists was like, well, Scott's really having a hard time. She called her mentor at, Slo- at uh, Mount Sinai physical therapy clinic and said, do you have someone who could kind of come down and talk to one of my patients? He's struggling. He's newly um, disabled. He's in outpatient rehab. And this guy named, uh uh Victor Caliz came down to see me and he was a p- paraplegic as well similar uh level of a uh, uh, disability uh I'm basically paralyzed from my shoulders down and I think he was around the same he was uh i think was hurt in a mountain biking accident in his twenties and i I was forty five when it happened to me so you know, things can be a lot more difficult when you're older to, to try and try and deal with these kinds of things. And I've, I've over the years talked to other people who were newly disabled and it's really, you know, I feel it's part of our responsibility as human beings and as disabled people to, you know, show and prove and to pass it, pass it down as is. You know, my philosophy about making music and stuff, too. You know, I've been a mentor musically to a number of different people. And I think that you just um, that's part of being a part of a community is to share these things with people, show solidarity and show some strength for uh, other people who are struggling. And it's really kind of a daily struggle. You know, I. I was a little bit behind today to start our meeting, and I said, oh, I'm a little late. Can, can you give me 15 minutes? And you said, oh, we're a little behind, too. I thought, well, they'll understand, because even after 15 years, I think, oh, oh it only takes me 20 minutes to make a, pa- a pasta or something, and it and it, it ends up taking an hour and a half yeah. And I, I just I guess my, my eternal optimism gets the best of me a lot of times when I think that the yeah. oh, oh this will be easy, I'll be able to knock this out and things just take a lot harder, take a lot more time and they're just more, much more difficult when you when you're disabled but it's that sort of patience and perseverance and strength that that allows me to continue to do things you know I think maybe, people in my position might have just been like, okay, that's it, life's over. But, I mean, I just thought, well, I've got too much more things to do. I've got too many beautiful people in my life and did not have experiences with them and there's lots more music to be made. So, you know, I think I've made maybe a 100 records since I've been in the wheelchair and, you know, you just have to keep going. I don't, I can't make them as fast as I used to yeah. But, I mean, I think that that just partly comes with age and experience to not be wanting to work 14 hours a day. And, and, but, you know, I just feel like life is full of obstacles. This one just happens to be particularly large. And But, yeah. you know, you've got to deal with obstacles your whole life, whether it's financial or personal or mental or physical. Yeah. So we, we, we carry on and we try to, as much as we can, try to help other people do the same. And I was happy to, when Vanessa said, you guys should connect, I said, I'd be happy to share some knowledge because yeah, so it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to know where to find resources, how to, how you know, even just riding the subway in a wheelchair is a, is a whole pamphlet full of information you need to know and you constantly... It can be a constantly frustrating experience and you've got to check, you know, because when you're going somewhere, you're going to be using probably at least
0: four elevators
1: to, right. to get there and arrive. And got to
0: be working. And generally, that can be an issue in and of itself. It, yeah. Out there, absolutely. You've got to go to another station to get out of this.
1: Earth. I had to once... Ride the train from Ninety Sixth Street all the way to the two hundred and whatever, all the way to the end of the, of the, of the line, just to cross the platform, and get on another train because there was no wheelchair stops after Ninety Sixth Street on that line, on the two three line, so it was. Right,
0: and that's the line I live. In. Right. And so that's why I went straight. Accessorize.
1: You know, that that has its own kind of problems too with waiting and waiting and stuff and you know if you if you have to wait more than half an hour you can call accessoride back and say i want a taxi authorization number and they'll give you a a number that you can then take an uber or a lyft or a, a yellow cab get in that and whether it costs 50 bucks or 15 bucks uh you send that into the, M- the number, yeah. MTA. I mean, I don't know. Are you if you're hip to that or not? But
0: no, you you're the one that hip. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah, because that you're happens to that me hip-hop. almost almost every all, you know constantly when I'm I'm having to deal with Accessoride. You know, it's rare. It's it the, it's rarer that they show up within half an hour than they don't. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've been having I've been having real Accessoride. Work. Every Especially with the uh, big bus, accessorized people. Right. They're always the kindest and sweetest people. Um, uh, the, the problems I'm having is with uh, the people that they uh, that they hire outside. Oh, the
1: brokered services.
0: The, yeah, the brokered services are, can be horrible. They don't wait for you. Um, I live in an, an apartment building, and just recently I was going somewhere that was kind of time sensitive, and. Uh, they called. I was like, we're on our way down. By the time we got downstairs, which couldn't have been more than four minutes, they were gone. Wow. And then, and then they, the report they gave was that they were waiting from the time that they were supposed to have been there. Which
1: they were already late for, probably.
0: Which they were already late for. And it really broke my heart now. I just like, and then, but you know what makes up for it is some of the, uh, the accessory drivers who are really wonderful and um, who actually um, are like real caregivers.
1: Some of them are, some of them, some of them really seem to care about their job and they're really diligent. I've had, you know, one in the, in the big buses that have tried to pick fights with me and who, who have, uh, you know, have issues with, some of my friends that'll, you know, wait for me at the studio to get on the bus, and yeah so it, you know, and some of the brokers, I had a guy take me to the ball game the other day, and he was from Brokered Services, a minivan, and he was the nicest guy, and he, you know, and I always try to help them, I'll put the hooks on here, because my chair is different than other people's right. chairs, and he's like, oh no, you don't need to worry about that, I know what I'm doing, and I said, okay, well, a lot of drivers don't won't even put all four of the restraints on. Some sometimes I say, "Oh, you don't need those," and I'm like, "Yes, I do need those." And there's as a disabled person, you know, you get your backup very quickly because it, it, what happens is one of one of the things that you experience as a disabled person is that people don't listen to you. So as soon right. as people start saying that, you know, my I get, you know, my back get goes up because I'm like, you're not listening to me, and you should. If a disabled person tells you, I need this to feel comfortable, you shouldn't argue with them and say, no, no, you don't need that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You always have to advocate for yourself.
1: Yeah, and it, and, it, and gets it, ta- it gets a little bit tough. It gets a little tough. Yeah. It gets really exhausting. Like some days, it's easy, and I it just flows off the back, and then some days it's the smallest thing, and you just you know, it's that, you know, nine out of 10 times, everything's cool. And then that one time the person might not even have been worse to you than the last guy, but it's the buildup of all that. So, you know, I've, you know, been in, in talk therapy for quite a few years to help deal with some of that anger that that comes with that kind of thing. And I remember there was one accessoride driver, regular accessoride, and I get in, and he's like, "Don't tell me how to do my job." And and I said, "Well, I just need some support across my chest because I'm paralyzed." And he's and he's just arguing with me. But I just I was very passive, like I you know, because I was really tired after a long day. And I'm like, "Wow, there's been times when I would have just yelled back at this guy." And that's what he was looking for. He was looking for a fight. Right. And I just kept not giving into that, and my my therapist was like, oh, you're using a tactic called disarming. And I'm like, I, w- right. I was? <laughs> and and she's like, yeah. And I said, yeah, because I could see it diffusing. Like the guy, it was deflating for him because he was wanting me to be like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, fuck you. You know, he was waiting for that.
0: Yeah, he wants you to be angry. Yeah, because yeah.
1: he wanted to be angry back at me. and I, exactly. And I just... Sometimes I'll I'll I'll, I'll give into that, but that day in particular, I was just so exhausted that I was like, "I just I don't have time for this shit." And I just yeah. and eventually the guy cooled off. But it's it's difficult because your life is in their hands. Yeah, you know, and I you know I had one instance where a guy that I was working you're,
0: with you're riding without assistance most of the time.
1: Exactly, I'm by myself almost all the time. Wow. And wow. I was, one time this guy came and he didn't stop where I was waiting. He pulled up to the curb. And I just knew just from that, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be a dick. Yeah. And so I was expecting that. But my friend was with me and he, sometimes your friends get very protective of you. And he's, he kind of, he bumped the guy. He's like, yeah, I bumped him. I just wanted him to feel the strength.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and And he started like, and then he, you know, I finally get in, and he pops his head in, and he's like, Scott, are you okay? You're good." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm good." And then, you know, he said, "Okay," and then he went left, and then the driver was immediately like, "What's with your friend? Why was he threatening me?" I said, "No, he wasn't threatening you. He was just trying to make sure that I was safe." And he goes, "This is my bus," and I said, "And I said, you know, he was a, he was a captain in the NY in the FDNY, so he's kind of used to uh-huh. safety protocols." And and making sure the people are taken care of, and he said, "This is accessoride. This isn't the FDNY. This is my van." And I was just like, "I said, it's, and I just I spent ten minutes talking this guy down. Like, you're never going to see that guy again. Don't yeah. worry about him. It's Don't over. And, you know." Me. And meanwhile, my friend calls me like after I get back. He's like, "Scotty, you you're good." And my kid goes, "Cause I was ready to roll up." To, to downtown Brooklyn and take that guy on once you got off the van. And I'm like, no, man. And I said, you know, honestly, I was trying to defuse the situation. You were kind of making it worse. And you have to realize, like, I got to ride with this guy now for, for half an hour, and my life is in his hands. So I'm trying to soft pedal the whole thing while he was just trying to be aggressive. And it's like, well, you can take the boy out of Brownsville, but you can't take the Brownsville out of the boy. You Because know, he, was, he was ready to... Knuckle up. So,
0: Dude, my my wife is my like
1: protector. My fellow, you know, when I man,
0: I'm so lucky, and she's a beautiful bulldog. Um, so she, you know, she doesn't let anybody like, get in the way of my comfort. And she's always like, when they lock me in in the back, uh, you know, clip onto my wheelchair and all of that, she's always like, "Are you good? Yeah. Do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable?" Good. And you know, a lot of a lot of the accessorized, the uh, the ones that are uh, are uh, regular drivers, um, they're, some of the cabs in the back are on low. Right. And so, you know, if I'm going out, you know, I got my bun done and I'm trying to look good and all of that. And uh, I got to uh, oh, yeah. lean over to keep it from messing up my do.
1: Sometimes the ones that they send you from the hospital that um, that they what do they call those ones? It's not paratransit; it's another name for it. Um, where it's like a a van. It's not like a bus. Right. Like a um, it, it's like a van that could be from Mount Sinai or something, and you load from the back, not the side, and it's got mm-hmm. a lift. But those, yeah. Or you know, I'm six foot one, and you're you know, so it's like I'm like that too. I yeah. gotta lean, I gotta yeah. lean forward because you can't yeah. sit up straight.
0: Yeah, those are terrible. Yeah, uh, like the the my like that's why the the bus is my thing. Um, I'm I'm brand new to this whole just the idea of accessibility never struck me until years and years ago. I used to book Sputnik. I don't know if you ever been there. Um, but it was a club in Brooklyn. Nice to
1: book it regularly. Oh yeah, uh, was that it was that was in Be- that was in um, Clinton Hill? Like, yeah, uh, I remember that. Right and they had the an art gallery street. in there too. Yeah. And it was just it was That's just right. off DeKalb, Like it was, it was just, just like cal- it was in the yeah, in the basement around Klassen. Yeah, yeah. No, I, my friend yeah. used to live right around the corner from there, and a a buddy of mine had an art show in there too. Yeah, so I remember that wow. spot. Okay.
0: I used to, I was the book, and a good friend of mine had gotten shot in his leg, and he had like maybe seven some operations on his leg, but I was like, I'm going to throw a benefit for my man, you know? Uh, His name is Sharif Simmons. He's a badass. Uh Uh-huh. And so when I put the benefit on, I didn't think about accessibility at all, but dude is in a wheelchair, and they get to the door, and they're like, how do we get? Downstairs. and they literally got i think seven people or eight people to
1: carry the whole chair
0: to carry the whole chair down the stairs yeah
1: i mean people people and, often man. say that uh you know volunteer that and i'm like nah i'm good i don't want people to pick me up like a piece of luggage and carry me around that yeah, I, not, I don't roll like that
0: yeah, I'm not into it either. And if, the, I, if I can't get in, I don't Yeah, care.
1: the, the, the yeah. thing that people will say is, oh, we'll get you in there. And I'm like, nah, nah, what? I'll I I'll I'll either get myself in there or I ain't coming. I'll meet yeah. you later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, accessibility, I think, is something that none of us think about until it, it, it um, comes into our life. I never thought about it. You never thought yeah. about it. My friends never thought about it, but now my friends think about it all the time. And they're like, oh, I went to this great art show and it's, it's totally accessible. You could go. Let, let me take you there. So it's like, you know, my friends either, either have
0: been, my friends do it or, or we call in advance and figure it out.
1: I call in advance to everything I go to everywhere I go, every restaurant. If I've never been there, I call and I'm like, when do you have an accessible bathroom? Oh, let me check. And they put you on hold and someone comes in like, hello. And I'm like, hi, I'm invited to your restaurant tomorrow night. I wanted to make sure that I was able to get into the place. And, and I, you know, I'll look on Yelp or on Google and I'll zoom in on the picture and I'll look at the front door and I'll like, oh, I see you have a ramp. I said, do you have an accessible bathroom? Like, can I get in there in my wheelchair and close the door? And sometimes they say, oh, we've never had a wheelchair here. I'm not sure. Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's no problem. And then sometimes, it is, you know, you go and it is a problem. So it, it and it's a drag because it's it feels like I always have to make the decision where we're going to go because everyone,
0: yeah,
1: unless they say, oh, let's go to the place we went last time or let's go to this place. And then I'm like, oh, I know that place is accessible. Great idea. Let's go there. I haven't been there for a while. Yeah. But... It's a constant thing of, of, of asking and being, and it's like not that you don't trust your friends, but sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, I thought it was accessible. I didn't, I, I didn't even notice that one stare.
0: That one stair. That's right. Yep. That one step, getting in or out. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's all it takes to exclude. So, yep,
1: exactly. I mean, sometimes you can deal with one step. I, I mean, I see you. You use you use a power chair, so your chair's a lot yeah. heavier than mine. I use an ultralight manual wheelchair.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, because I, I have a muscle wasting disease.
1: You can't propel yourself. Yeah, yeah. And
0: so I mean, I can you know I still I can still walk a little. Bit. So if I'm in my apartment, I you know my apartment's too small to roll around in a wheelchair. So I, um, I, I you know, I hold on to the walls. Matter of fact, I need to wash my walls. Cause okay.
1: You know. Do you use a walker I, or a cane I, ever?
0: I, you know, I use the cane in the house to, you know, balance. Sure. Because, um, you know, but at some point, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I'm just hoping that, you know, by that time we'll be somewhere else. In this
1: somewhere where the chair can accommodate the chair rolling around
0: accommodate in. Accommodate me a little bit. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but to go anywhere, I have to be in the chair because I can't. Right. Um, if to get up out of a seated position to walk somewhere, someone has to lift me up.
1: You can't pull yourself. You so can't pull time, yourself out of the chair yet, anymore.
0: I can't pull myself out of the chair. And and you know, for a while, that's how I was living before I got the wheelchair. The wheelchair that that is from Medicaid that I'm sitting in is this giant two hundred and seventy-five. Um, right. that is just the most comfortable chair in my house. I can't go anywhere. So my friends, a group of friends that I went to uh, high school with, uh, we had a reunion, and um, during the reunion, they uh, gave me a, a birthday card, The wheelchair that I had been looking at. It was pictured in the car. And they were like, we're going to get you. It's, it's coming from you. Wow. And, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. They just and that's the chair you've got now? And that's the chair that I travel around in when, I, when I'm when i out in the And it's it's lighter. It is about fifty one pounds. Yeah, it weighs about fifty one oh. pounds. It's uh it's uh, from this company uh called Fold and Go. So it folds up and it can fit in the in the trunk of a a compact car. Um, but normally when I travel, I I um I don't tell them that it will fold up unless I'm stuck. Somewhere. Right. Um, you know, because I, I'd rather just drive in and, 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 and drive out. It's so much more convenient. You know? But it's such a blessing to have that chair. If I didn't have that chair, I would.
1: You know. Yeah, I had a folding frame chair, the first chair I got, and my therapist used to refer to it as a Pinto. like a, a, And she's like, we got to get you a better chair. And eventually I signed up with I, I Independence Care System. And they helped me get a titanium chair because I remember had seeing a guy in one and I'm like, oh, wow, I want, that's the chair I want. And they're like, oh, well, you know, Medicaid's not going to pay for that. Not
0: gonna come.
1: But ICS in the good old days, you could do that. They told me just recently when I went into the wheelchair clinic to get some measurements done for some uh, repairs. She said, well, you do a chair. You've had that chair for seven years. You do a new chair every five years. And I said, well this chair is fine once I get the wheels and the casters replaced and you're going to give me a new back. Because she said, because I can't get you another titanium chair, I can't get you that same chair. I've had two chairs the same from this company called Tie Light. Um, But she said the new regulations, they don't, she says, I can get you an aluminum chair, uh, but I can't get you the same titanium chair and i said well let's just stick with this one for as long as it holds out
0: yeah and the difference between the aluminum and the titanium is that the aluminum chair is probably lighter but it's not as strong strong.
1: exactly i think they're usually about the same weight i think titanium is is about the same density as aluminum um but yeah they're the titanium chairs are much stronger. They're made out of one piece and they custom make them to order. Oh, okay. Because people often ask me why I don't have a powered chair and it's just like, well, I don't want something that's really heavy. And what if you run out of batteries when you're in the middle of nowhere? You know, you're stuck.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things that I've... I've, uh, Like the the fold and go chair is like I said, probably about fifty one pounds. Um, the the battery one with one single charge can probably go about sixteen miles.
1: Okay. That's um, a lot. The,
0: the other thing that I'm it, it it is. The other thing about it, um like I've worried about like oh wow what happens if my power is it? and so um do you remember the uh the cells that used to carry around when you for your cell phone that you could just plug yeah. in like you charge, you have this,
1: something like that for that chair
0: that charge. Yes, I just um, I, I've had it for a while and I didn't even realize that I had it. And I was like, Well, I can use this and charge it and keep it with my chair.
1: And the right, it. And if I run out, I can charge it's your backup.
0: Anywhere, oh,
1: well, that's good to have. Yeah, that's it's good to great. know.
0: It's great to have and just you know, it's just you know, this whole uh, uh um, disability mentality is like we have to like not only do we have to be creative uh in the world but we've got to be creative with our our disability and understanding how we we function how best do we function and so it's this constant learning curve
1: yeah because what what might work for me might not work for you because you know we've got we're both in wheelchairs but you know we've got two completely different uh, diagnoses. So, you know, I couldn't couldn't stand up if I had to or even if somebody helped me. I would just fall back down because, you know, and I rely entirely on my shoulders and my arms to do all the work and you're not able to do that because you don't have that strength. So, you know, eventually, I mean, eventually, I'm sure I'll get a, a powered chair, but, you know, I have to, you know, I'll, let's hope I have another ten years in the manual chair. I hear you.
0: I hear you.
1: It just feels more. You, you, it just feels more autonomous to me.
0: Right. Yeah. It feels like it feels like you're more. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I wanted to ask you? One of the first things I wanted to ask you that I failed to ask you is, did you know? Ronald, did you know Ronnie Drayton?
1: No, I never met Ronnie Drayton. No. I saw him play okay. a few well, times with Defunct.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. They, they, okay. I'll, I'll tell you the Defunct story in a second. But um, the reason why I asked that is because this uh, my podcast is called Speak Life um, uh, in tribute to Ronnie Drayton because that was one of his catchphrases. Like, you know how cats talk, and they'd be like, yo, man, real talk, blah, 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 blah. Right? Ronnie's was like, yo, speak life. That's cool. And so so. Um, that's yeah, deep. So this is like a, a real tribute to my man because I know Ronnie since I was six years old. Wow. Okay. We, we, me, him, and Wayne Cobham, uh, the trumpet player, Billy, Billy Cobham's okay. little brother, went, went to St. Clement the Pope. And so both both Billy Cobham's little brother and, and, and Drake were in my class. Wow. Brother. I've known this cat since then. And then me and Ronnie, you know, have just. Remain friends from then until his passing. And so, um, this, you know, the podcast idea, when I was thinking of it, I was like, you know, I want it to be about, you know, music and art and, and about music and artists. But I, I definitely want to have this disability piece in there. And I definitely want it to be a tribute to somebody awesome. And man... I mean, but ronnie
1: wasn't he wasn't disabled, though, was he?
0: No, he wasn't he wasn't at all. he 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 was uh, pretty functional until his uh, until his passing. he yeah he had he a uh, lymphoma. Oh, okay, for, uh, for quite some time. and and his first bout with it, they thought he had beat. It. and so he he never told him well, he mentioned it to me, but he had never really discussed it with anybody. And then, um, in his second bout with it, I had reached out to him because we used to talk uh-huh. regularly. And I, I reached out to him and uh, on uh, Facebook Messenger, so we could see each other. And he he goes, "Yo, Banks, you see where I am, right?" And he
1: goes, oh, oh shit! And
0: he goes, "You see, what, you see what they did to me, right?" "All like, my hair is gone." He's like, "I look like a fucking carjacker." I was like, "Sorry, bro, you always do." That. <laughs> and he's like. He's like, man, you got the nurses and doctors cracking up here. He's like, but listen, man, let me get back to you, and I'll tell you this going on. And that was the last conversation we had. And next thing I know, uh, I see, I almost call Facebook death. Because every time I open it up, somebody... Yeah. Um, but I, I, I open up my Facebook, and I see uh, Felicia Collins saying, is it true about that?" And the first thing I do is call the son. And, uh, and all I got was just tears. So hmm. I wanted to honor Ronnie uh with this speak life thing because me and this dude had the greatest conversations and he had those kind of conversations with everybody. So so thank you so much for being with me. Um I'm not letting you go uh, quite No, bad that's
1: bad. cool. I got
0: time. Awesome. Awesome. Um one of the one of the things that um you mentioned before is that you were in therapy, you know, for some years dealing with this. I was in therapy before all of this happened. And um, I'm still in therapy. And one of the things that I'm constantly dealing with is, uh, is uh, my, my anger issues and my, my anger issues that come out of uh, the healthcare system
1: well that's a long conversation but yeah i mean that that that's i mean that's it's can be that's absolutely one of the things that we get angry about or we get frustrated about and that because like and all the doctors are like a lot of the doctors are like i don't know they're like because everybody's different and they might not have ever experienced somebody who's got a T5 complete diagnosis but they've had other people that were lower they had a lower injury so which means they have more functionality like i i came like you know this close you know like half an inch to an inch from being a quad that's how high up my injury is and it's a complete spinal cord injury which means that the the spinal cord kind of got severed and a lot of times, when you tell somebody in the business, like "Oh, I'm complete," they just like "Oh, I'm really sorry about that." Like they immediately go to this place, like "Oh yeah, you're." They write you off, kind of. Um, but you know, I, yeah. I've you know, I have a urologist that specializes in people with um, spinal cord injuries, and he practices in the same office as this other guy who I had to go to once because Doctor Vapnik was away. This guy had no idea how to deal with somebody in a wheelchair, even though he'd been practicing in the same office as this guy, who was a specialist for twenty years. And you know, so like, you know, and you probably have specific doctors that deal with 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 your affliction. Um, yeah, that's you're 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 kind of re- related to to MS, right?
0: That's what's hilarious about
1: it? It's similar to MS. What you have? No, oh, no, it's no. not. It's not MS
0: not it, okay. not at all it's
1: it's 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 muscular dystrophy it's Oh, omd oh, muscular dystrophy
0: this form of muscular dystrophy yes and so uh when i first when when i first got my diagnosis, well,
1: is muscular dystrophy then kind of like a, a, an umbrella diagnosis for a whole bunch of things like your like what you have and and other ones
0: well there's a lot of different okay forms of muscular dystrophy. There's, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who have, uh, have it from childhood, muscular dystrophy, and basically it, it's a muscle-wasting disease, and that's right. umbrella that it's under. Um, Some people get it uh, age onset, Okay. is my case. And so I lived, I lived, you know, pretty functionally for 50, 60, well, for 60-some years, and then... Uh, in my 50s, I started feeling it. And I was wondering what it was because I was working out. I was doing all this stuff. i go to the doctor and say, hey, what's going on? And they'd be like, I don't even know. So it's been this just
1: you, you didn't and find the right doctor. Kind of that had, if you had found the right doctor at the beginning, you might have been able to avert it a little bit more, yeah.
0: Or do something to it, yeah. But, you know, when I did get my diagnosis after a year and a half of testing, um, I said to the doctor. Okay, so it's a muscular dystrophy. Thing. Uh, can you tell me what it is I'm supposed to do now? And and the doctor turned into Scooby Doo. He literally, like, oh, oh. and I was like, wow. So there's zero, nothing. There's no medication. There's no physical therapy. And he's like, well, physical therapy may slow it down, but it's a progressive illness, and uh, no one knows how to stop. And you know, at first I thought like. I watched the Jerry Lewis telephone my whole life. They raise billions of dollars for this, and there's still absolutely wow. nothing. And uh, and there's absolutely nothing. And so I've been, I've been. And there was no
1: the doctor, the said, specialist that you were able to find.
0: The specialist that I was told to go to, his name is uh, Dr. David Cohen, and David Cohen Cohen. You know, knows the same amount of stuff that's on the internet and so but he's an expert and he is well paid i'm sure he lives in a nice house and has a nice car and his c-student children go to college and and yeah but no he he he, there are there's no real uh, um, expertise that's being shared with the public I mean, they just started a whole bunch of new clinical trials for some new drug. Um, which I would think, if this guy was a cool doctor and, and got my back, he would have reached out and said, "Hey man, we're doing some clinical trials. we want to be involved?" But no, there's no. There's, yeah, the love that I've received from the medical community. Is
1: yeah, and that's amazing. so frustrating. You because we're kind of taught as very people throughout our lives, like, oh, the doctors have the answers. Just go to the doctor. Just go, just seek some medical help. And really, they, they, they can't always tell you, you know, this is definitely going to work or you could try this. And...
0: Right. I mean, my, you know, my 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 major frustration right now is I, I lucked out uh, at the beginning of my diagnosis and I found physical therapists. Who was not only just a physical therapist mm-hmm. he was a chiropractor and acupuncturist uh, chi- uh, had a whole bunch of skills in Chinese medicine, Oh, that's um, great stretching. Um, and so, so he called his company Integrate because he did all of those things to help me and so um, I worked with him for quite some time and he was, at one point he was like I can't stop stretching so what I'm going to do is try and make you as comfortable as possible. So I'm just going to focus on the acupuncture, the massage, and kind of right. the
1: chiropractic Right.
0: give you some relief from the discomfort of the, of the, of the condition. And, um, but he moved away. And so now I'm trying to replace a guy who did four things. And he took oh, wow. my Medicare. And not only did he take my Medicare, but he had two other... People. One one was a guy who introduced me to my man, James Nicholson, who's a massage therapist. So if I went to James Nicholson and got a massage, he would book it like it was him so that right, so that he could get paid. Because most massage right. therapists don't take insurance. And he did the same thing for a physical therapist, a guy who uh, would come to my house and do the physical therapy. So when I went to see him, all he did was chiropractic massage, cupping, uh, Chinese medicine. Um, when I lost this dude, I was like, how do I replace it? And so I finally found, through my wife, once again, this place called Hudson Wellness. And I reached out to them, and of course, they didn't take Medicare. Medicare, so they didn't take my insurance. Then I got some supplementary, supplementary insurance, and I reached out to them again. And... Uh, they said that acupuncture acupuncturist takes one kind of insurance. Mm-hmm. Ah,
1: okay. Another
0: kind of insurance. And, and the takes yet another kind of insurance. And none of them take mine. And so I'm like, wow, the whole um, getting treatment game to me is different because if I got a regular, like regular physical therapy is usually about, um, Regaining your strength or holding on right. to some strength that you have. Uh, uh, so that's what physical therapy is. Um, my, my illness is progressive in, in a way that um, I'm losing strength in all of my bodily muscles. So, like, what I'm feeling is like the reverse right. of growing pain. <laughs> you know? So I'm absolutely uncomfortable sometimes a little bit more, and no medication, no, yeah. And so I'm, I'm in this place of trying to figure it out all by myself.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a source of frustration, you know, and you I just have to, it and it's really, you know, there's not much anyone can say that'll take that away, you know, and you just have to kind of yeah. look inside yourself for some strength to just be able to persevere, you know, and it's, and fortunately you and I both have a great network of people who are supportive, you know, and it's kind of like being a musician kind of in a way sets you up for being disabled because it's such a tough life as it is. So you're sort of used to adversity. Adversity is just something that you decided, well, at least with me, I'm like, well, I don't really make commercial music. I'm not trying to get rich off this shit. I'm just trying to make music and express myself. So those are, <clears throat> that's a choice that I made. I was telling somebody, one of the, you know, and, and you make these choice. I was talking to Paula Henderson about it, actually. And, and I was, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, I said, the thing, you know, we make these choices in our lives. Like I choose to, to live my life this way and I understand the consequences of that being I'm not going to have a lot of money, I might not have health care, I might have to live in a really small apartment but those are things that I decided that I would do in order to have this lifestyle to to, to, do this art and then in a matter of seconds by hitting the car that I'm traveling in late at night this other guy made this decision for me and that was part of what my anger and frustration came from the fact that I had made a very clear yeah. path for myself that I knew was difficult, but I was right. navigating it. it. Yeah, and, and then somebody successful. comes along and yeah. says, no, no, I'm going to change your path, and I'm not gonna, you're not going to have any say in it. Yeah. And so that's something that, and I guess I think yeah. I continue to struggle with it. You know, I mean, on the outside, I say, well, I've accepted the fact that this happened to me, but on the inside, there's still anger and, and and frustration and denial, maybe even in a way that you know yeah. that or not not just not accepting it. And so that's the that's a pretty big hurdle for anybody. Is the accept the yeah. acceptance?
0: But gratefully, you've created a large community around yourself, uh, so that you're able to still work and still like have a viable way to. Well,
1: I guess I was fortunate, and certainly it wasn't foresight that, but I think I sort of had had a pretty strong community around me before my accident even happened. So, for that community to mobilize for me, it's you know as soon as I. This happened. I had friends helping me get Medicare and ride and social work and people raising money to buy me that first good wheelchair because at the time, you know, Medi- yeah. Medicaid wouldn't have paid for it. Um, indeed, and so, you know, it, I guess it's sort of karma too. You know, you just you, – you try to treat folks right and you try to be a good person and then when mm. something catastrophic happens to you, you know – you've got a lot of people around there to to support you i mean a bunch of people back in vancouver did a big benefit for me and one of the guys who's one of the instigators of the whole thing like i didn't i knew him from back in the day but not that well and i said man i just really appreciate you doing this like i'm just so grateful and he goes well i'd like to think that if this happened to me i'd have that this many people around me to to to, to help support me so it's it's just once again, you know, passing passing it on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm right. in that stage now of like of, I'm like I'm sometimes so completely overwhelmed by the love and the support that I receive.
1: It's humbling, you know. Sometimes I just think I just think about it and I cry because I'm like, Jesus, like who am I to deserve all this, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. What did I do right in this world to, to, yep. to get this much love? And um, but you know, then you start to think about it, and you're like, wow, you know.
1: Yeah. No doubt.
0: <laughs> and you passed it on. You passed that love on to me, sight unseen, like just, you know, from one friend to another, saying, "Hey, like, you know, my brother needs some help," and and like i really want well
1: i'm 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 um i'm glad well i'm glad that um, i could i i could share the knowledge and i um, mean you know, it 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 and it continues to go both ways you know yeah
0: yeah i really appreciate it and i also appreciate you having
1: absolutely the time okay and
0: being my very first guest um that's, that's it's so magical to have you so, Ken, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, okay, you know, all the people that produce because I, I ran into Chris, Chris uh-huh. at, a, at an art show, and she out of nowhere she mentioned your name and I was like, okay.
1: Th- well, she th- probably th- just th- saw you magical. in the chair and thought, okay, and she knows that we know a lot right. of the same people, so she probably just assumed that we knew each other and that we had we had talked about this and i abs- you know, yeah. good thing that we had. Um, my iPad's running down low, so. Um, Uh, if we can do this with my phone, this is the, I I think the app probably just loaded automatically onto, it did open onto my phone, which has a little bit more charge. Um, so if we get cut off, um, let me just see, how would we do this? Um... Let me try to log back on because I'm at 3% here and I will just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock off. Oh, let, okay. let me just try and um, go to the same link on the phone. Okay, so I'm going to hang up and then, and then try to go back, get back in. So you see me log back back in. I'm just going to
0: hang in. I
1: guess if you stay open, let me just try to log back in on the phone and we'll do that. Okay, I'll see you in a second.
0: All right, excellent. Listening. Listen.
1: Listen. Listen. Oh, it worked. It's excellent. Excellent. See if I can get this. Yeah, there you okay, cool. We're back on. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So what I was asking you about was, um, you know, I know. Uh, You've produced so many interesting people, and I knew one of them was interesting, really. uh, you produced like Beans and uh, so many other stuff, Logic.
1: DJ Logic, I did his first three records. Um, I've been working with Harriet Tubman for... Oh, wow. uh, I think about six years. I've done the last two records, and we're kind of halfway through the new record, which is a collaboration with Georgia Ann Muldrow. And,
0: um, I'm doing something with them this week um, uh, the, over at, over at the kitchen. Oh yeah. I saw that. I saw uh, that. Yeah. It's a benefit for the kitchen. Um, it's a fundraiser for the kitchen. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah. You know, I know, I know those cats for a thousand years. I mean, I know JT since I was. A kid. 18.
1: Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's all part of the community and those guys, um, yeah. You know, the previous record, Tear End of Beauty, was sort of a collaboration project with them just sort of coming into the studio and jamming and me picking out pieces and constructing tracks. That, you know, then we add, Brandon came in and added more stuff and I would add stuff. And so I've been doing, you know, a bit more of that. The latest record that just came out is the new Sex Mob record, which is also, I produced their first four albums just as sort of a traditional producer, but not traditional in the sense that I did a lot of sort of post-production arrangements and, and a lot of using hip hop kind of mixing techniques and to create different things and doing crazy edits and stuff like that. So this record, I actually made 10 tracks and sent them to Bernstein and he wrote, horn arrangements over top of them and they came in the studio and played over top of the my tracks. Wow. And then we had um, then Kenny played drums over the top of them second so it was a big process. And then I yeah. kind of had Vijay Iyer and John Medeski played some overdubs and we did a, a one track that was kind of more like a full collaboration with DJ Olive. And that so that record is it's called The Hard Way. Sex Mob the Hard Way, and it's, you know, Stephen and I basically co-wrote all the music, and that that just came out on this cool little label from uh, Chicago called Corbett vs. Dempsey. And so, you know, I'm sort of trying to do more collaborative projects these days where I'm really, you know, part of the... Creative, yeah, process. creative process, right? you know. So we've been
0: okay. So, so now that you mentioned that, like, when, a lot of times when people talk about uh, being a producer, um, that covers so many. Uh, uh, it covers so many things, and that most people don't know what what being a producer actually is. So, maybe you could you could address that? quickly.
1: Well. It's kind of different with every project. Um, I produced a record for my friend Kate Fenner last year, and she just kind of came into the studio and put down all her songs with acoustic guitar and a click. And then I just listened to them for a while and came up with some ideas for arrangements. And I put a band, and I thought, I don't want to just add stuff on top of this click track guitar thing. I think we should have a band. So I put a band together and we just you know i kate and i taught them the songs and they played them and i would you know sometimes i have a demo beat that i wanted the drummer to play or i would just go boom, ba-ba, ba-ba, and he would just play that and and so that was like you know not i'm not really involved in terms of the compositional process but the arrangements and just the whole vibe and the sound of the record came in like that. And then we did a day in the studio with Jason Moran and a rhythm section and, and Kate kind of was showing them how to play the thing and she was kind of strumming the, and Jason sort of started to play with that. And I, and I said, well, we're not really going for that. And he goes, yeah, but she's got the vibe. And I'm like, we've got songs like that. This is going to be totally different. I don't want it to be a strummy sound. So so it's kind of a different t- type of arrangements and some. And I wrote a string arrangement and I, wrote, I created some other arrangements that I actually notated on paper that I would give to people. But sometimes I would just, it's more like just describing what you want and having the right musicians right. there in order to kind of... Right. It's about, it's about creating
0: the feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's about creating the feel for that
1: yeah yeah exactly you're creating you're creating the, the 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 backdrop for the song you know and I mean one of the songs I said this is really long can you cut out a couple of verses and she's like no I'm like really they all need to be in there and she's like yeah it's a story it's got to be like that and I'm like okay so how do I how do we make a track like that That's seven minutes long, seemed not that long. And what I did was I just had a little beat that I played off my phone, off an app, and I had the band play along with it. But as they went, I was pushing the tempo button. So they would get to the chorus, and I'd push it a couple of times. And the song gradually sped up. And it was like, I think it was up five beats per minute. Which isn't that much, but like if it didn't speed up, it would seem like it took forever. And so I was, you know, pushing this button and I said, Yeah, we went from 78 up to 83. And the drummer's like, Scotty, he's the French guy and his name's Stéphane Stefan Stanwan. And he said, Scotty, that means you pushed that button 50 times while we were playing this song. And I'm like, well, I didn't do the math on it. I didn't really think of it like that, but yeah, that that was that was. I guess I pushed it fifty times. Yeah, that's what happened. So, you know, it's it's all about kind of solving problems, and but it's also about creating an environment where people are feeling like they're supported, because that's yeah. what as a, a producer, what you do is you try to, or at least what I try to do is I try to. Um, facilitate their music to to for to and maximize the effect of it, so that you know. And and sometimes that means being very hands on and making arrangements or making beats or making tracks or playing on it myself. And other times it's just about knowing that okay, what they're playing is great. I'm not going to mess that up. I'm not going to push. You know stick my finger in that, you know, so...
0: Sometimes it's just about being... An yeah, it, it's
1: about and being sensitive to it. I mean, some great producers aren't musicians or engineers or arrangers. They're just people who have a really great feel for what's going on in the room, like a guy like Rick Rubin does that. Whereas right. I come from it, I started out as a musician. Right. And then I became an engineer, and then I became a producer, and then, you know, and then... I studied composition in music school so I already had sort of composition and arrangement knowledge and then I just it just grew as as and and I'm grateful for all the people that I work with that allow me to be so creative and allow me to to be part of it but also I you know I make my own music so I don't need to feel like I need to express myself through their music I know a lot of guys who don't and they just want every record they produce to be their record and it's like it's not your record it's their record yeah. you're there yeah. it's like you're a conduit
0: yeah it's funny because I, when I was younger I, I tried to uh, fashion style and one of the things that I tried hardest not to do is make people dress like me right one of them I wanted them to be themselves. I wanted them to, I wanted to dress them like themselves. I wanted them to be comfortable in their skin and in their clothes and in their style. And uh, and and it's, it seems like that's the same kind of mentality. That, that
1: exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're there to just en- enhance everything, just try to make everything... Whoa. I almost <laughs> lost this. <laughs> okay. I almost lost my... Uh fruitful. Um yeah, so yeah. and and you know be just because that, that kind of a time consuming process and also a lot of times I would you know used to work with people from out of town or I'd go to Brazil or I'd go to Europe or I'd go to mm. Africa to make a record. I can't really do that anymore. So I ended up just really doing a lot of mixing for the first 12 years of of doing this with a little bit of production on the side but a lot of mixing because I could kind of do that at my own pace and I had been going to Brazil a lot before my accident so I would get people to record themselves and they would or you know have somebody record them they would send the tracks to me and I would mix them and sometimes I would do a bunch of kind of post-production stuff and add things and play on them and edit them and sometimes i just mixed whatever was there i'm like oh this this is great i don't need to i don't need to put my hands all over it it just needs a little push just needs a little shine so some you know you just have to kind of be sensitive to the music and to what you feel like it needs
0: yeah
1: and i think sometimes in some ways being disabled helped me Understand that even more because it helped me learn how to ask for help from people, and ask, and and it allowed me to be very in tune with what's going on in my own body, in my own life.
0: I'm still struggling with that. It's, it's, It's only a few years new
1: for me. Well, I'm 15 years in, and I still struggle with it, and still adapt every day, and still get frustrated. And it seems to me you're doing you are doing better than I did two years in, so you're doing Ooh, i think you're doing well but it's 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 it's, it's just a it never ends it's a constant struggle
0: process yeah that, that much i'm i'm aware of and, but yeah the asking for help thing like you know when I mean, yeah I, that's it's really that's really a problem for me and but i'm really grateful that I have a lot of people around me who will Ask me if I need help. Yeah, and well, sometimes different.
1: you have no choice. Yeah. Like there's things that yeah. I just can't physically do, and I know that I have yeah. to ask for help. So I do that, and I've gotten much better at asking for help. But I was always a very proud, independent person, and and I can see that, and and it's very difficult to kind of take it to that other place where you just give it, you give up your ego and just be like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to have to, Hey, can you help me get, like I used to get really pissed off when people would open a door for me. What the fuck? You don't think I can open a fucking door? I live here. What the fuck are you doing? You don't need to open a fucking door for me. Yeah. And now people open a door for me and I'll be like, Hey, thanks. And I roll, I roll right yeah. through because it's like, why yeah. fucking get upset about that? They're trying to do something nice for you. Don't, Don't put your ego in there and and assume that they're patronizing you. I mean, and that does happen sometimes. And I I still get pissed off about that. And people, oh, that's great. You can get around like that. Or, oh, you're really good in that thing. I'm like, what thing? The wheelchair is a thing? It's part of me now. So, you know, but you just have to. And it takes a while. And I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. And I'm not going to say I'll never yell at somebody again for Opening a door or something. Because sometimes people, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, no, I got it. It's cool. <laughs> and then they still stand there and it's like, or people trying to hold an elevator door open for you. And sometimes it's like, actually, you're in my way. And, and right.
0: sometimes and you're, you're, in there? you're in your yeah, way. You're about to roll over there. You're
1: in the, yeah. the way. So then I'm steering over to the side more. And next thing you know, I clipped my hand on the edge of the door because I'm trying to avoid you. Yeah, And after I said, yeah. I'm fine. I've got it. Like sometimes I'm like, no, it's cool. I got it. And they'll still send it. I'm like, I got it. Yeah. And then usually they get that. I don't have to be like, get the fuck out of them. You know, I don't have to yell it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to get that aggro on them. I just have to be just like, no, no, I got it. It's cool. I got it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your help. I appreciate it. But I, I got it.
0: I've, one of the things that I've really learned is uh, that I didn't, that I honestly didn't have before this is, like I've become so much more patient um, with just everybody. Um, I, you know, like I realize how, you know, a lot of my days aren't good days. Sure. <laughs> so I wake up like with this rough attitude, and I have to find my way into a flow. And uh, and so when I see people, in the way they reason with each other in the street and in the world, I, I've become so much more oh, uh, wow, I don't know, you know what they're dealing with. Um, what, you know, the plus of the disability for me is they already see that I'm dealing with something. Right. And, 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 and giving me the benefit of the doubt that, wow, this guy's already dealing with something. I don't want to cause him no more grief is one of the blessings that I feel that, that's in, inside of this curse. Right. <laughs> You know? and, uh, and that people give me that, that room and give me
1: that space yeah and you, have to, and you have to open yourself up to allow that to happen to allow people yes. to, to do that and I mean I used to get pissed off when I'd see people on accessoride and like we'd be on these long accessoride trips where they pick you up then they pick someone else up and they drop them yeah. off and they freak this other person and you see people like walk onto accessoride and I'm like what the fuck is this guy doing on here This motherfucker's not in a wheelchair. Why the fuck is he taking advantage of the system? But I remember going through Penn Station one time, and this guy and I are on the same trajectory. We're both looking for the elevators, and we're coming up. And finally, by the third elevator, because there's a lot of elevators in Penn Station to get out, I'm kind of thinking, like, what does this guy fucking need?" And he's like, oh, I'm on dialysis, I can't walk upstairs. I get so tired, I can't walk up the stairs. And this guy looked like a perfectly normal person, like didn't have a cane, didn't have a walker, didn't have oxygen. I'm like, and I realized that was a real teaching point because, like, you just never know just from looking from someone. Like, this guy guy needs the elevator just as much as I do. He wouldn't be, I mean, he probably could get out by the stairs, but he'd probably have to take two stairs... Take a breath. Take Take a a breath. Two more stairs. Take a breath, and it would probably take him half an hour to walk up all those stairs. So I'm kind of like I
0: I was that person before I, you know, stopped going in the subway. When I would go to Burn Sugar rehearsals, they'd be all the way in Williamsburg, and the station when you get off of it is all stairs. There's no elevator. There's no escalator. There's no nothing. It's like two stories down in the right, and I would climb those stairs. And it would take me, without exaggeration, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get up all of those things. And sometimes when it would be a crowd behind me, you could hear all the people that are disgruntled. Yo, man, move on. What's wrong? Yeah. Because you look normal. Yep. And so I'm struggling to get up, but, you know, I have one, you know, some, some fly gear and, like, you know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they must think, well, so just, what's this guy taking just, so long for? Maybe, maybe, maybe he's stoned yeah. out of his mind or something, right. or he's drunk. And That
0: used to happen, you know. One of the worst when I when I first got my the day, I got my first diagnosis was from a doctor who just looked at me and was like, "You have FSA," and and he just knew, you know, because of the uh, how I was holding my the way you were
1: carrying yourself.
0: Yeah, and so. When I was on my way home, I walked, I was like, Well, my, my bank isn't far from me. I walk up to the bank, get some me, Get some food for me and my food for me. And on the way to the bank, one of the reasons why I actually went to this doctor, the neurologist, because I had been falling. And so I had a fall. And people stepped over me. Wow. And it broke my heart, and it was because I guess I looked, you know, a certain way and and um, and they just figured I was stoned or something, you know? And one guy finally said to me, hey, hey, are you all right, man? You need some help up? And I was like, I really do. And when, I, and when he helped me up, he, he looked me in my face and he was like, wow, I don't know why people were just stepping over me. I guess they thought you were stoned or whatever, that, And I was like, I'm not at all. And, and I was so grateful for that. But, like, just, you know, yeah, people do think a lot of different stuff, so, you know, being in the chair makes them kind of...
1: Just points it out more, like, oh yeah, this guy, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it gives you a little bit of a pass. You know. But it's a, it's not an easy road. No. Nope. Um... um I'm glad to have somebody that I can talk
1: to. Anytime, man. Always, always here for you. you. Thank you
0: so much, brother. Thank you so much, man. I'm looking forward to making some noise. Yeah,
1: let's do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward
1: to that. We're going to make that. Cool.
0: And and I'm going to tell when I see the cats from Tubman, I'm going to tell them that. It's a long time.
1: We'll be the wheelchair duo.
0: Totally, man. I'm totally
1: with that because i'm inspired when i see you know it's like people see like an athlete in a wheelchair and this and i'm like that's Man. just so cliché i want to see someone up on stage in a wheelchair i want to see Man. i want to see an architect in a wheelchair i want to see a chef in a wheelchair you know i want to see something you know i we went to a play recently and there was a guy in a wheelchair in in, in the play and i'm like and i was looking at him and I'm like, I think that guy's a quad. Because I could kind of tell the way he was yeah. using his hands yeah, on the wheelchair. Because yeah. he had a manual chair, not unlike mine. But he was able to... Because, you know, I used to think, oh, quadriplegic means quad for limbs. Right. You well, can, four and you limbs. see these quads moving their arms. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought right. they were quadriplegic. But they can't move their hands. So sometimes they right. can't use their fingers. So you'll see people with right. a funny spoon... <laughs> Or they they can work a joystick and, on a wheelchair, but right. they can't they can't propel can't grasp exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I'm you know one of the things that I'm going to do with this forum is I'm going to interview disabled dancers. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to interview as many disabled artists as. That would
1: be dope. I mean, there was a woman, I think she won a Tony Award for being in the play Oklahoma and she was in a wheelchair a couple of years ago. Yeah, my physical therapist knew her or she knew the company because she worked with this company that was out of St. Anne's Warehouse. It originally started there and then it moved to Broadway. Oh, awesome. But
0: yeah, like as many... But that's the kind of inspiration we need to see, you know, because... And, and we need to have a, a, a real discussion about um, about accessibility and about uh, uh, accessibility and the rights to accessibility. Exactly. That so many businesses are let off the hook. Um, and, and, you know, it's not like I want to fight to give them my money. Um, I want to fight to be able to have easy uh, 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 experience.
1: Exactly. You want to support the people who are accessible. There's a, we should go to, there's this restaurant uptown called Contento. That is owned by a guy. He's a Somalier, and he's in a wheelchair. You should interview him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When well, we get? You know. I'll send uh, you his
1: info. He. But I want. I haven't even gone to the restaurant. I've actually met somebody who was the sister of a the guy who was the head of the record company when I did the De La Soul stuff this summer. And she's like, "Oh, nice to meet you." Raul was telling her brother's name was rally. He told me all about you. And she goes, you know, I work at Contento. You know, it's a wheelchair accessible restaurant. I'm like, no, I've been meaning to go there. And I said, that guy reached out to me. His name's Yannick Benjamin. And I was trying to learn how to drive about just before my trial, like six years, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. I was just getting so frustrated with the whole accessoride thing. Right. And I couldn't find any resources. And I just, I asked everybody that I knew and everybody, every therapist and all, do you know anyone who knows? And finally somehow this guy got in touch with me um, and said, oh yeah, there's a place out in Staten Island, uh, in Coney Island that does it. And I contacted them and by the time I had found all that information and finally got it, then I went to, into my trial and I, everything kind of got derailed on that. And then it became much easier to move around with Uber and Lyft You know, as much as like a a friend of mine was over here last night and he was like, I can't believe I'm actually putting the Uber app on my phone so I I can, you know, get a ride out of here. And I'm like, well, say what you may about Uber, but they changed my life. You know, they were the first company that that was committed to offering accessible vehicles and they were offering incentives to drivers so that they and they have a company that they lease vehicles to drivers and they pay them by the hour. Because what was happening at first was there'd be all these drivers that had accessible vehicles, but then they wouldn't be you'd try to get you come out of a show or something or and then or come out of a bar at two in the morning and there'd be no drivers out. Right. So they made sure that there was people driving all day and night. And I'm like, okay, I can't front on Uber. Like they they they, you know, they put their money where their mouth was. I mean they're making money off this. But it's a business. Why shouldn't they? But, you know, because the whole accessible, I almost always just use the taxi authorization. It's a bummer that you have to do that over the phone. But if I know I'm going to the studio tomorrow, I'll call and say I'd like a taxi authorization. And so to and from the studio, which is now 40 minutes away from me because I live in Flatbush now and I'm going all the way to Greenpoint. But then I can leave whenever I want to, and I can come home whenever I want to, and I've got to put that money out of pocket. That could be a hundred bucks one day, but I get that money back in about a month. And so, okay.
0: oh, so it's it, the turnaround actually. That it few.
1: used to be two months, but now it's about a month okay. because I file it all online, and um. Because, uh, because with brokered services, when they they'll send somebody, and they won't even call or text. You won't know, and then you call five minutes before, like uh, you know, I'll call them like, oh, I'll call at like nine o'clock and say, hey, I'm I'm calling about my eight forty pickup, right. and they said, oh, we haven't assigned a car yet. And I'm like, they were supposed to be here twenty minutes ago, and you haven't even signed a car, and they're like, well, we'll we'll text you in five minutes. And then if they t- don't text in five minutes and it, once, once it's a half an hour, I'm on the phone immediately with Accessorite and say, I'd like a taxi authorization. I have a 840 no-show pickup. And they're like, what's your client ID number? Yeah. And they take it. Right. But you have to do all that over the phone. Like if, if, And you, the taxi authorizations are only inter borough So I can get one from here to Greenpoint, which is expensive. Yet, yet they won't give me one from downtown Brooklyn to the Lower East Side, which is a third of the price of that. So you can get them with – you could get – you could go anywhere in Manhattan with the, right, but I with the taxi York. authorization, but you can't go to Brooklyn or Queens. Oh, okay. So like what I did the other day when I came home from the baseball game is I took a cab with my friends. I said, hey, how about we go out for a, like – this was a day game. I said, how about we go out to somewhere in Greenpoint – and uh, get some food and have some drinks. So we took a cab from City Field in Queens to to uh, Greenpoint. That was I paid for that out of my pocket. It was twenty five bucks or twenty bucks or something. But then I the day before I had called and said I want to go from this address in Greenpoint home, and that was another forty five fifty bucks. But I got reimbursed for that. So I cut, the, oh, I cut the trip down because I knew I could go from Brooklyn to Brooklyn. And I'm like, what's the closest right. place in Brooklyn from Queens is Greenpoint. Right? right. Okay.
0: Because oh, I'm see like, I thought,
1: well, even if the guys don't want to come and hang out, I'll just go to my studio for 20 minutes, pick some stuff up and call a car from there right. and go from my studio home. Right. So there's, you know, and I wouldn't say that's gaming the system. That's just figuring out. A, no,
0: that's figuring out how to do, how to how to
1: Exactly. So yeah. if you're, if you have a, a more, if you're just going out for dinner in Manhattan and you don't want to deal with the accessory, I'd bullshit. Just call the day before, before five o'clock, say, I'm going to, I would like a taxi authorization from my home address, blah, 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 to wherever, yeah. say somewhere in Midtown or even in the East Village, you could go all the way down there. Yeah, yeah, and that—that's what I've been—that's what I've been doing. Awesome, awesome, yeah. That's, that's
0: that's good to know. But
1: it sucks that you have to. It sometimes it's a ten-minute call.
0: Oh no, you're on the. Phone. Yeah, but
1: you know, but a regular accessory ride you can just book online.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've not been doing that because the, the online thing is really. There's a good
1: app called My MTA. That, that has Accessoride built into it, and okay. and I bo- if I need to book a regular tr- Accessoride trip, I use that. I'll send you a link to it. I'll send you the link to that app. It works really good, okay. and it also it also tell the you what it, it also tell me. you what's what trains are, uh, it, what stations are. It's got a, a, a tab where you can look up whether the elevators are down. Wow. Ah,
0: okay. I never get on the
1: subway anymore. I, I didn't for a long time and then some sometimes it's just easier to use this use the train. And I you know, that was when I moved. I said I gotta be close to an accessible subway station. And right.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm I might try I might try to get
1: on the train. Well, well if you wanna try to, try, to try to do it, to, do it to, well and there's also there's a thing you gotta look for it. It's in the middle of the platform and it's called the boarding area. So you got to go to the boarding area, right. so that way there's less of a bump from the from the platform right. onto the train, and it's it's On in the, the middle of the platform where the conductor car is, and there's a okay. sign right up up above it says boarding area. Maybe we do it together if you want to ride the train together. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, yeah. I'd like to give that a try. The other thing that we got to do together
1: is we got go to. We got to what? Yeah. It's on the east side. Unfortunately it's not close to any subways, but you could probably get a bus there. Yeah. Or just take or you could take accessories ride. I, I think I'm, it's like a hundred and tenth or hundred and thirteenth and maybe third avenue or something. But yeah. Oh that
0: that's not that far from me. I'm on 138th.
1: But you're on the west side, right?
0: No, I'm on oh you are.
1: Yeah,
0: oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The other place that that is that blew you know, my mind is uh, I did a little project with my wife and one of her uh, its instructors, and she is. In a Where's village, this? And we went to, uh, we went to Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Island. And Roosevelt Island is all about accessibility. Yeah, it's named after Roosevelt because he was the first president in right. the military. And a lot of people don't, to this day, don't really know that because he uh, always wanted people to uh, photograph him. From yeah. Um, but that whole island is uh, everything. I to
1: haven't been the over church. there before.
0: On the buses, uh, you know, the tramway that takes you is accessible. We, uh, um, like we went to some place to eat and, and the hawk the, was... The, 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 Isles and everything, with,
1: like so on Roosevelt there. Island.
0: Roosevelt Island, the whole. And from what I understand, the Okay. Island,
1: and there's a good you know, restaurant there.
0: Built up. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If oh, okay. There. The place that we ate at. Was oh, okay. Bad. Wasn't that but good. But, but it was really right spacious, and, and we were able to really get around. It. So I, I'm I'm definitely going to do some exploration. Cool.
1: Maybe we meet over there. That's kind of halfway in between.
0: Yeah, that might cool. be fun. And it's easy it's easy to get to. You just go to the yeah. tram and and the tram ride is fun and and it's, a, it's a I think
1: the tram goes from Manhattan though, right? It doesn't go from the other side. Yeah. It yeah. Goes,
0: yeah, it goes from Manhattan to uh um uh, yeah,
1: cuz it's ne- it's near the 59th Street Bridge, right? <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, it's right by the bridge
1: all right well we we got a few we got a few adventures ahead of us then
0: man yeah we got some outings yeah man
1: that would be fun yeah Yeah. let's do it yeah man well let's
0: wrap this up thank you so much again for being my first my honor and let me
1: be my honor to be your first guest my man we're gonna do this again sure
0: uh because uh, there's still so many things that we, we didn't get to that I really wanted. Part two. Um, part two. And so I'm going to send you uh, uh, some links to send me uh, some things. I saw there
1: was some there was some instructions there. I asked for yeah, a yeah. headshot and a bio and yeah. stuff. I got I got all that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I know you do. We're going to do that on the Okay, cool. All right. All right, man. All Thank right, man. So much, well, man. take care. Much love,
1: man. Lots Thank of you. love. Take care, brother. All right, take care, I'll talk to you soon. Yes.